Hi, everyone. I know recently we announced we were going to two episodes a week and then three episodes a week. But you know what? There are just too many episodes. So we are going to back to five episodes a week. Still a reduction from seven, but there were just too many interviews scheduled, and I didn't want to make all the authors wait for too long. So I hope you can keep up with me. Listen to one a week as you're on your way to work or on your way home or putting your kids to bed or whatever it is you're doing. Moms don't have time to read books now five times a week. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi, this is Ibby Owens, and you're listening to the award-winning podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. I'm also the host of Moms Don't Have Time to Lose Weight, and I'm the editor of the anthology, which you should run out and buy, called Moms Don't Have Time to, a quarantine anthology. All proceeds of that book go to COVID-19 vaccine research. And I'm the editor-in-chief of Moms Don't Have Time to Write, a new publication on Medium, and we're accepting submissions, so please send your personal essays there. And if all that isn't enough, you can follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens, and my website is zibbyowens.com. Okay, now back to this amazing podcast. Alexandra Andrews is the author of Who is Maud Dixon? Alexandra has worked as a journalist, editor, and copywriter in New York and Paris. Who is Maud Dixon is her debut novel. Publishers Weekly named her a writer to watch in 2021. She currently lives in Brooklyn with her husband and children. Welcome, Alexandra. Thank you so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Bugs to talk about Who is Maud Dixon? Thank you so much for having me. I'm so thrilled to be here. I'm thrilled to have you. <laughs> so for... Readers who might not have read this back in March when it came out, sorry for the delay here in recording and getting this episode out, could you tell them what Who is Maud Dixon is about? Of course. Who is Maud Dixon is about an ambitious young assistant in the editorial world who then gets a job as the assistant to a world-famous but pseudonymous writer like Elena Ferrante. And first, she's just this woman is just becomes her mentor. And then our our young narrator, Florence Darrow, decides maybe she should take a shortcut and steal her mentor's life. (laughs) 
It's sort of similar now to the plot in a way. Have you read that book? I know. Isn't that funny that all these books are coming out about the publishing industry? Yeah, it's true. Actually. And I found out after I wrote my book that publishers never want to publish books about the publishing industry. Luckily, I'd already written it. So <laughs> No, not true. Because I, my GMA article for June is coming out any minute. And I literally, in the introduction, I was like, okay, half these books are take place in the publishing industry. Like, what's going on? Like, it's you started a trend here. It's great. Oh, wow. Well, that might have been a quirk of the publishing schedule, but sure, I'll take it. <laughs> well, what, what, how did you come up with this idea? What made you write about this topic? Well, there was a little bit of me in Florence, even though I'm not quite as crazy as she is. And now is when I hang up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay, before I'm anybody. In the room, yeah. right behind <laughs> And I, I started out in journalism. I was at ProPublica for a while. And then I moved into copywriting. And I had never written fiction. And I was pregnant with my first child. And I was just thinking, this is ridiculous. I've been working in these jobs for 15 years. I've always wanted to write a book. I've always found reasons not to do it. Just do it. So I finally sat down and I started writing about this woman who really wanted to be a writer and just also couldn't really like force herself to sit down and do the work. I was also rereading The Talented Mr. Ripley at the time, and I thought it would be fun to sort of do an update on the whole like identity switch, and I wanted to do it with women. And then it was also at the height of sort of Elena Ferrante fever, and I was so interested by this fascination with her real identity and the lengths to which this journalist went to track her down. And I think it was just all those ideas sort of swirling around that came together. Wow. Well, I have to say you drew me in particularly with the whole scene in what must be like a West Village dive bar or something that was in my head with like <laughs> the older boss and the younger woman and like the hand under the table and the hotel room and all of this. And I was like, oh, this is pretty juicy, like sitting up straight reading this. Like, <laughs> thanks for that. Actually, I got married at the Bowery Hotel and I had one of the, my first dates with my husband at that bar. <laughs> It wasn't that juicy. No. <laughs> you never know. I feel like that's what you can do in fiction. It's like, what if? What if this had happened? I don't know. Maybe, true, right? Exactly. I wish this had happened, maybe. <laughs> I know. I think that's why I was intimidated by fiction to begin with, because when anything happened, it's what should happen. It's a little bit overwhelming having this blank page, but then, you know, it's just the other side of the coin. Like, well, that's sort of fun. You can make anything happen. And that's a bit circular logic. But how did you, like, what got you over the hump to, from like procrastinating and like not wanting to do, not procrastinating really, but just maybe the fear of the intimidation of the project to like, I know, I know you were pregnant, but there's, that's another huge reason to not do it. I mean. <laughs> actually, I just, I started thinking about how my daughter would look at me. And I really didn't want her to look at me as somebody who was working in a job I didn't really like, who wasn't really proud of the work I was doing and who was sort of this like shoulda, coulda, woulda, like, oh, I wanted to be a writer. And so that was a big part of it. I also just felt like I'd reached my breaking point in these jobs. I was just feeling so desperate, I guess, for a change. It was also around the time my husband and I decided to move to Paris. And so I sort of, we were only going for two years, although it ended up being a year and a half. And I decided to use this time as like my do or die moment. And it was like, write a book or 
go find a different career, go do something completely different because this isn't working how things are going now. And so I ultimately wrote the book there, which is wow. pretty, that's, pretty delightful. That's awesome. <laughs> that's like out of a movie itself. Now there's like an extra <laughs> layer. Now the writer who thought about writing a book is now writing the book and you're in Paris and oh my God, <laughs> very cool. So when you went to write it and as you were developing Florence and all the characters and even Maud Dixon herself and like the scuttlebutt around like who her personality is and all the parties and all of this, like, like, how did you pull these things in from life? Like, how did you structure it? How did you like, did it all just unfold as you sat down and you were like, you know, looking out at the sun and like, you know, feeling all inspired or did you, did you like, oh, that would have been nice yeah. <laughs> if it had just unfolded. It was a slog. I went through 24 drafts. No. I still have them all on my computer. Yep. I mean, I had a, I started out with such a clear plot. I mean, none of it survived. I threw out tons of pages. Our apartment even got robbed while we were there, while we were sleeping and our, my computer got stolen. I lost a few drafts. And then it sort of changed direction from there too. So there were definitely fits and starts. But ultimately what happened was I loved these characters so much and I loved their relationship, especially Helen slash Maude Dixon, that the plot sort of changed to accommodate them. And their dialogue would take me to new places. Originally, Maude had played a smaller role, but I was just having so much fun writing her that I kept her in for longer and longer and longer. So it really all came out of these two characters who are not based on anybody real, but I mean, I think Maude Dixon is, I mean, I worked with a lot of very ambitious, smart, motivated women earlier in my career. And I sort of took that, which I very much admire. And then when it came to Maude, I took it to extremes and it sort of curdled into something a little bit darker and closer, like ruthlessness. But, um, you know, she still has that unapologeticness, which I actually do admire in women because I'm someone who's hemmed in a lot by trying to be polite, trying to be sweet or whatever, you know, that whole baggage. So it was fun to just kind of get carried away with this. You did have some line like that, like when Helen first meets her, first meets Florence, says something like, you know, it's like essentially kill or be killed. Like you have to look out for yourself or I can't remember. I probably dog-eared it somewhere, which of course I've lost by this point, but I don't know. Anyway. I can't remember. I know. You know what I'm talking <laughs> about? Now it's going to come out that I didn't really write the book. <laughs> oh no. That's so funny. Yeah. Let's, let's break that news right here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I can't find it, but that's okay. Well, anyway, you said something like that. <laughs> <laughs> I believe it. <laughs> Yeah, that would be so funny if now somebody wrote a book about all the people writing. Never mind. Okay, too meta here. <laughs> Maybe not funny at all. So, do you enjoy writing? Like this whole like do you, did you like it? Did you like the process? Did was it like do you want to are you writing another book like or were you like that was awful? I'm never doing that again. Like Oh, that's so funny you asked that. I feel like whenever I would listen to author interviews in the past and they'd be like, "Oh, like writing is the worst job in the world. You know, it's such a slog. If I could do anything else. And I'd always think, you know, shut up. Like, <laughs> I want to be a writer. You have the easiest job. And it's true. Like, you know, I get to sit in my apartment or wherever and make my own schedule. And there is something very enjoyable about it. But I do find it very emotionally fraught. I beat myself up over procrastinating. I have so much self-doubt. So it just, it's like a complicated process for me. I am working on the second book, but I've already thrown out two plots. 
which I had made some headway on. And I'm just, it's, it's, well, part of it, I think is the pandemic. I think, you know, some people, I think were spurred to a lot of creativity. That was not me. I found it very hard to concentrate and gather my thoughts. And in a certain extent, to a certain extent, like reality was stranger than fiction. And I was like, why am I making up stuff? Like, this is crazy. <laughs> this is as crazy as it gets. But now I feel like I'm in a better place. I have a plot I'm going forward with, hopefully the final one. And I am starting to enjoy it again. You know, it's it's a long slog. And then every once in a while, you sort of like get a rush and you think, oh, I like that sentence. Or, oh, like there's a possibility. And like, you just sort of live for those little like flights of euphoria. That's nice. A flight of euphoria. Uh, maybe I just haven't <laughs> been writing the right sentences. <laughs> <laughs> They're rare. They're very rare. Next time you write the next a sentence. You read the same thing and you think, oh, this is garbage. Yeah. Next sentence you write that gives you a flight of euphoria, I'd like you to just like copy it and send it to me <laughs> in an email because I want to see what it looks like. I'm even, I'm even, no, you'll be like, I can Miss? be the subject. You don't even have to say hello. <laughs> just like send me the sentence. I'm not even kidding. <laughs> anyway, that's funny. Well, so for that person who's sitting there listening now and is like, okay, it does sound like a slog, even though, yes, you're not, you know, <laughs> what book did I just read? I just finished reading a book where the author at one point had to, you know, literally like lay cement on the side of the road and now is like anybody who talks to me. Oh, Richard Russo. And was like, you know, if we talk about hard work, he's like, this is not hard work. I think about how he thinks about how his back was hurting and blah, blah. So, okay, fine. It's not that, right. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not comparing it to that, but what would you say? Like somebody wants to get into it. What advice would you give? Would you say yes? Would you say no? Would you say, what would you, what um, would you say? I would say, I would say yes. I feel like if you have the urge, then you will get satisfaction from doing it. And I will give two pieces of tangible advice. One, don't reread anything you write. I think that was huge for me because I would always read things and be like, oh, this is terrible. And then just give up. And with Mont Dixon, I just told myself I wasn't going to go back. And I would start every day and just start typing, 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 close the document and I wouldn't go back. And then by the time I finally reread it to edit it, I had gotten far enough in where it was like almost what's, I, there's some like economic term, but it was just like too much to throw away. I'd put in too much. And then the other big thing is just put a internet blocker on your computer. It makes such a difference. <laughs> wow. I don't know. I mean, I feel like with kids, I feel like I, I always have to be in touch. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I know. You might get the time, but your brain doesn't yeah. stop. Like you never know. Like, like the school can always call or something can happen. And so there's, know. you know, but anyway, so I don't know. Internet blocking for me. I don't know. But for other people, I like that. I like it. I like it in theory. I like it in theory. So when you're re like, what kind of books do you like to read? Do you love to read or did you always, I love, did you always love to read? Yeah. Yes, I always did. I actually read a lot of literary fiction. I love going back to the classics. I have a terrible, terrible memory, which is actually sort of a boon because I get to reread my favorite books over and over again for the first time. Right now I'm reading Brooks by Thomas Mann, which I've, I'd read The Magic Mountain, but I never read this. And it's just so delightful. I mean, you think of these classics as being very like sort of dry or boring, but it's not. He's a great storyteller. And so I just, I love going back to the books that are just, they've, you know, survived the test of the ages and they really are just beautiful, beautiful stories. And in terms of like more contemporary stuff, is there anything good you've read lately? Like what's the, is there something that kept you up at night yeah, lately? Or oh I hate gosh. to put you on the spot like this. I'm just know, always like looking at my pile. I mean, I love Rachel Cust's new book. What else have I read recently? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like looking at my bedside table. <laughs> I don't know. 
don't know if I'm going to remember. <laughs> oh my gosh. And so how did you end up working with Jen Joel as your agent, by the way? So I lucked out. My husband is a novelist, Christopher Bea, and he is just very like hooked into the literary world. He's also the editor of Harper's. And so he had mentioned to a few agents that he was, that I was writing this book and he just sort of gave a brief outline of the plot. And they were like, oh, that sounds interesting. Like she can send it my way. And so I sent it to three agents that, you know, he hooked me up with. And Jen wrote back and said she loved to work together, which was just like a dream come true. Chris was like, Jen is, you know, Jen is such a big deal. She's not going to take you on, but she might like kick you down to like someone else at the company. And then I just like jumped at it like that. And she's been so wonderful. Huh. And so what is it like in a marriage where both of you are writing Especially given all of your, I mean, you're like seriously one of the most, like, I can like feel your, your self-criticism like oozing out of you, you know, like (laughs) your self-doubt and self-criticism and like, I don't know why. I mean, you're obviously a really talented author and everything, but anyway, or maybe it's just par for the course and you're more open about it. This is, yeah, maybe this is going to turn into a therapy session. I'm going to have to send you a check after. Go for it. I'm happy to... (laughs) (laughs) No, I do try to be honest and open about it because I mean, it was a struggle and I think a lot of people doubt themselves and you know, that doesn't mean you can't do it. It doesn't mean it's valid. Just, you know, just admit that you're telling yourself lies, I guess. (laughs) No, it's, it's actually, it's a delight being married to another novelist. He is so supportive. He gives wonderful advice. I didn't give him this book until it was like, I had a full complete draft because I just didn't want to reading anything rough. And he luckily liked it and was very kind. And he gave some constructive criticism. It also helps that we write like sort of different types of books. He's very much like a literary writer. He His book just got nominated for the National Book Award. And, you know, I'm a little bit more commercial. I really want to write something like entertaining and fun and diverting and engaging. And I mean, he does too, but so we sort of have different goals and... Yeah, it's just really, it's nice to be able to like bounce your ideas off of somebody. He actually just gave me a, another idea for my second book, which is like keep the story exactly the same, but tell it from a different character's point of view. And I was sort of like, oh, yes, I should do that. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Gonna have him come around. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> actually, I, my husband is like super creative. And I feel like I do like interviews sometimes, and I'm, I should probably thank him more because I, like everything I do, I'm like, what do you think about this? What do you think about this? I need a title for this. What, what title? You know, it's really him. Yeah, totally. Like I'm not doing anything really. It's like. <laughs> I know. Even when I write like my like bio, yeah. I like send it to him. I'm like, is this okay? Yeah, I do the same <laughs> thing. I do the same thing. I mean, yeah. I'm like, okay, I'm trying to solve this problem. He's like, okay, well, I'm going to go to work now. <laughs> like, <laughs> but I need you over here. Oh my gosh. Well, that's neat though to have. I mean, I'm sure your daughter then is going to be just like, you know, overflowing with like, like, how do you even decide which books to read at night? You're like, here, I'll just read a page from mine. <laughs> anyway. All right. Awesome. Well, great. If you could just send me a check and it'll be about a hundred, hundred, hundred fifty bucks. And next time we'll work on, you know, overcoming second novel paralysis and we'll see how it goes. That would here. actually be great. Yeah. I would pay a lot of money for that. <laughs> Okay. See you here next time. Same time next time. Okay. Our time. Our time. (laughs) Have a great day. Good luck with the writing. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. 
Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.